Devontae Adams is probably the smoothest mover on the football field I've ever seen in my life. It's not like over-the-top, like, freakiness where he does have explosion and quickness, but it's just like, I don't know, man. It's like nobody can really dictate the pace at which he moves. He, he moves how he moves, and everybody else just has to deal with the program. I've never seen anything like that. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Here's your boy, Q. You hear Darren Waller talking about Devontae Adams. Those are two guys that are not flying under the radar (laughs) at all. Those are two guys that are stars in the NFL. But we are going to talk about guys flying under the radar. It's 301 here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. Joined on the phone lines by our good friend, Connor Orr from SI.com, Monday morning quarterback. And, Connor, thank you for your time this afternoon. Appreciate you. And I saw your piece that you put out, part one of the underrated, uh, well, the guys in the, that are underrated in the AFC on the, all of the AFC teams. And, of course, I was paying attention to the AFC West, a lot of really good stuff. And uh, how do you go through all these players that are playing in the AFC to determine which ones are really the most under the radar? Well, I think you look at, at certain metrics and you look at people who are under or who are overperforming that, you know, maybe just don't have a lot written about them. And I think that's where you start. I mean, a larger pool of a couple of guys per team, and then you narrow it down based on what kind of scheme do they play? Like, you know, what kind of guys are super valuable in certain situations and so on. And so, I mean, it's not, it's certainly not a scientific process by any means. I mean, Mark Andrews is on the list, right? And everybody knows who Mark Andrews is. Mm-hmm. But I think it's all about, you know, uh, spotlighting some of the players that maybe we haven't heard of or telling you something about a player that you know that, that makes them more valuable in your eyes. Yeah, and we're, you know, obviously focused a lot on the AFC West here. And so I'm just looking at all those teams, uh, the Broncos, the Chiefs, the Chargers, obviously the Raiders. And I'm looking at Tim Patrick with the Denver Broncos, and he's on your list. Of course, he's got Russell Wilson. But, you know, the whole time he's had – I mean, good quarterbacks at, to say the best. You know, I mean, they're not they're not great quarterbacks. Obviously, he hasn't had a lot to work with, and now he has Russell Wilson. So, him going from under the radar, it sounds like he could be in line for a really big season. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the way that he's played, like I think he doesn't get attention because he's not a flashy wide receiver. He's more of a big body wide receiver, which hurts. You know, you're not making these Odell Beckham plays, and also your best quarterback has probably been Teddy Bridgewater. Theoretically, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. you had Brock Osweiler, Trevor Simeon. Um, you know, I forget the long list of uh, Drew Locke. <laughs> and so, right. you know, it, it's not like he's had the benefit of the doubt here. And I think what's, what's really interesting is like a big body guy like that who's good at catching deep balls. Uh, you know, Russell Wilson's kind of a dream quarterback in that scenario. Yeah, I mean, that sounds like that could be something. And that's why I enjoy looking at this series because, you know, you kind of see some guys that really point out to, you know, you could really point out and, and pay attention to. And so as I look at the Chargers, I'm looking at the offensive lineman, Matt Filer, and this guy, he's the guard. But I mean, this, his story, I mean, I was just looking at his story is pretty incredible. Being a guy that was at a D2 school going undrafted, has been at multiple teams right now. He's just kind of been the constant, constant, even though he's flown under the radar, even, even when he was getting recruited to go to college. Yeah, and he's just so good. I mean, you know, looking back on, um, you know, with a lot of these guys, you try to go back and you try to watch at least one of their games just to refresh and everything, and I was just blown away. I mean, body positioning, the way that he moves, uh, the stuff that he can do. I mean, some of their biggest games, he had an undrafted free agent left tackle next to him, and he's propping up two guys at once. And so it's really amazing to see what he's done. And, yeah, I mean, 
Uh, don't knock the Bloomsburg Huskies, though. That's a uh, that's a D two powerhouse right there that Matt Filer came from. That's uh, that's as good as it gets over there. That's as good as it gets. I'm not mad at that at all. Yeah, he's he's doing big things. And when you look at that Chargers offensive line, because I mean, in the AFC West, we know that there's edge rushers on every single team. There's bookends, but I look at that Chargers team and I say, you know what? They're a little. I felt like they're a little weaker on the right side, even though he's holding down that guard position. I feel like that tackle spot is a little bit weaker. When you look at that Chargers offensive line, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think you've tried to find a way to make it work. I mean, they, they obviously saw that flex guard position as a little bit more instrumental to what they want to do, and, and maybe that's what their own internal metrics are telling them. But, yeah, I mean, maybe they think because they have someone like Filer, they can always get help on that side. And so maybe they're not as worried about it as other teams. They could also have someone in camp that they really like. I mean, right now, you know, it seems like it's uh, Pipkins, right, and played at the mm-hmm. end of the year. And so maybe that's who you hope just sort of takes the mantle and, and runs with the job. Really could. Right now we're talking with Connor Orr from uh, SI.com. Monday Morning Quarterback put out his piece, Underrated Series. Uh, every AFC team, obviously the NFC team, will be on the way. Uh, right now, how about the Kansas City Chiefs and, and another guard? Matter of fact, a, a rookie last year, he was a six-round pick in, in trade. Smith, what are your thoughts on Trey? I mean, to be able to get Creed Humphrey one year and then Smith the next year is just aces drafting. I mean, for a for a GM who really needed to bail out that offensive line and you know spent a lot of money, but also really supplemented it with some valued picks. I mean, Trey Smith might end up being the most cost effective offensive lineman in the league. And if you look at it, I mean, Patrick Mahomes takes almost three seconds per snap to throw the ball. It's not easy to hold a guy for that long. So to have him grade out as well as he did. I think is really impressive in, in year one. How much more can he grow? I mean, again, he was just a rookie, a six-round pick, so your expectations are never super high. How much better do you think he could be in year two? I think he could be a lot better. I mean, that's when you see the jump from a lot of these guys. You know, your first real professional offseason, um, you know, you get time around uh, professional help that you need. And so I, I think you look at a lot of that stuff. I mean, now you're a veteran and, uh, you know, you have all the tools and all the resources. And with a bot, with a frame like that, I mean, he, he just looks really natural for the position. So I think the sky's the limit there. Connor Orr is our guest right now on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. And before I get into the selection for the Raiders, let me ask you about another guy going into year two offensive lineman. How about Alex Leatherwood for the Raiders? He was the tackle, then he was kicked inside the guard. I think he's going to get every opportunity to be the starting right tackle. But what do you think? How do you think he's going to grow in year two since he had so many snaps his rookie year? Yeah, I mean, I think that the Patriots coaching staff coming over obviously gets good information from Alabama. They'll have They'll have the dossier on him. They'll know where he's most comfortable, and they'll give him a fresh start. You know, I think we've seen them maximize offensive linemen before, and Josh McDaniels, it seems like wherever he goes, and well, especially in New England, right? I mean, you always just have this this tract of really good offensive linemen. And so, um, I, you know, if I'm Leatherwood, that's pretty much the guy that you want, right? You want a quick-release system. You don't want a lot of sacks on your resume, and, uh, and, and maybe you kind of improve from there. You get some confidence and get rolling. Right, no doubt. It's going to be interesting in training camp to see exactly where he lines up and how he continues to evolve. So now getting back to the piece and the the under-the-radar guy for the Raiders was Nate Hobbs. He was a fifth-round pick a year ago. Uh, He did some really good things, but if you look at, you know, statistically, you look at the numbers, they didn't look great, but what stood out to you from what Nate Hobbs was able to do his rookie year? Just the, the run defense, the willingness to just get in the thick of things. And I think so much of football is going to be fast people in space and short yardage passes and you know, I, I think it was Juju Smith-Schuster. Like he chased him down halfway across the field last year and made a really good um, uh, shoestring tackle by the ankles. And so I, I think it's just one of those things where just a really spunky guy. And 
exactly what you need out of a slot, right? Because you're going to get picked on all the time. You're going to get abused because you're not one of the two alpha cornerbacks. But he has that attitude where it just it doesn't seem to matter. Really aggressive guy. How does a guy like that fall to the fifth round, in your opinion? It's tough. I mean, you look at uh, certain, you know, I mean, the measurables are good, which surprised me. You know, I mean, it looked like a guy who would who would project fairly well to the NFL, but you know how it is. I mean, you know, all of a sudden, maybe one of the national scouts gets a bad grade on him, and then that gets around, and everybody's just kind of like, yeah, I like other people better, whatever it is. Maybe the coach isn't standing on the table for him, and there's a ton of things that can happen during that process that, uh, that minimize the value, but you know, the cream always rises to the top. It's why, you know, so many of these good teams are the ones that, that succeed in rounds two to seven. Right. No, no doubt about that. And he, he was a, he was a bright spot for the Raiders defense in uh, in his rookie year. What does he have to do in your opinion to take that next step? I was going to say you improve the coverage numbers, obviously. And I think they'll do that. I mean, New England, you know, that whole franchise, you know, that, you know, defensively, they're going to come with a playbook. They're going to come ready. And you so rarely see their cornerbacks left on islands or really unprepared. And, you know, while, you know, it's not like Bill Belichick's coming with them, I think I would trust Josh McDaniels and the people he has around him to, uh, to take care of that. And, uh, you know, Everyone's going to have help. You're going to have more guys in coverage, and I think those numbers are going to look a lot better next year. You know, I know the old saying, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Do you think that there's any opportunity for him to kick on to the outside, or do you think that the Raiders should just keep him there at the slot? Yeah, I mean, like I said, he has the body size. He has the length, you know, and so I think it's one of those things that, okay, you know, you wait and see. Maybe you give him a few matchups, and and you see what works. But, uh, I mean, the one thing about, you know, it, again, if McDaniels takes that, that, you know, drop seven, drop eight mm-hmm. theory and the constant mixing and matching with him, he's going to be playing all over the place. He's going to have to learn to play all over the place. Right. Well, he, he's shown that he can do a little something. He did a little bit uh, in, in preseason last year because he was forced into action due to injury. But, uh, yeah, we'll see. It's going to be interesting. But I'm, I'm a big fan of Nate Hobbs. I like what he brings to the table, and I think he can continue to get better. Let me ask you this. One more question about Nate. Uh, now he has a new regime, a new coaching staff. So how much do you think that that may slow him down just, just as a player in general, going from you know one scheme your rookie year to another one your second year? You know, I think at the end of the day, it all starts to blend and become a similar language. And I think anybody that falls back on, any coach that falls back on, well, he's still learning the system, uh, isn't doing a good enough job, I think, understanding the player. And I think McDaniels definitely in his second time around was not going to make that mistake again. I mean, you know, he was going to build something around the guys that he has. And I think you've seen that. I mean, everything has been win-now mentality for them. Yeah, no, it really has, man. They, they, they're all in, you know, and so we're excited to see when they open up camp in less than a month exactly how it all gets put together. And then once the season gets started, it's going to be a tough division, that AFC West. Well, Connor, great stuff as always. I'm assuming the uh, NFC teams is coming out when? Tomorrow or is it coming out a couple days from now? Tomorrow, yep. Mark your calendars. Uh, yeah, priority reading, so. It is. It's, it's really a lot of fun. I mean, it's got to be for you as well, especially this time of year, to be able to put something together like that and, and, and highlight some people that don't always get highlighted. Yeah, and it gets, you know, it gets me studying again and gets me off my butt and watching tape again. You know, <laughs> my summer break's over too, so it's, uh, it's time to get back into gear. You know? That's right. I know that's right. Hey, the grind is, good. It's, is forever, man. It's always good to do. So, Connor, thank you so much for your time. My man, I do appreciate you making some time for us, and we'll talk to you soon. No problem. Thank you. All right. There he goes. Connor or SI.com, Monday morning quarterback. And yeah, get you off your butt and start looking at some film and get on the grind, man. Nothing wrong with that. So uh, he put out a really good piece just on under the radar players and highlighted all the guys from the AFC West. And I'm telling you, man, uh, don't get caught slipping on the Chargers offensive line. Uh, that guard they're talking about, Matt Filer, and then don't get caught slipping on the Chiefs. Their sixth round pick from a year ago, Trey Smith. He's a hell of a guard as well. 
We'll see how they continue to get better. We'll see how Alex Leatherwood continues to get better. And Nate Hobbs, who was the selection for the silver and black. 313 is the time. We'll come back, take your calls and text 702-365-9200. Sam and Ash text line is 69187, keyword r Don't forget, coming up at 330, former Raiders tight end Andrew Glover will join the show. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. The Raiders is the only team I had season tickets to back when they were in Oakland early on when I was in law school. And I sat next to a young guy who had sort of red, furry blonde hair, and he would always shout and scream. And his name was Mark, and that was Mark Davis. And uh, so I've known him since the 70s. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Here's your boy Q. Super agent. Lee Steinberg right there from Steinberg Sports. He was on our show yesterday, Unnecessary Roughness, talking about all things salary cap, talking about the Raiders. He gave Mark Davis a humanitarian award back in 2019 in Atlanta, the day before the Super Bowl. Uh, Talking about a lot of great things, but it was good to catch up with Lee Steinberg. That was from yesterday's show, talking about sitting in the Oakland Coliseum next to the little redhead kid. Mark Davis happened to be that guy. So there you go. He said he knows him since the 70s. Like that a lot. Coming up at 3.30, we'll have former Raiders tight end Andrew Glover. He'll join the show, talk all things silver and black. We'll ask him about Darren Waller and just the impact of a uh, big-time tight end and how the tight end position has changed since he was playing when he was drafted in 91 back in the in the 10th round. A lot of people don't even remember that the, that the draft had that many rounds. Well, uh, he was drafted in the 10th round, uh, had some good production with the silver and black and actually went on and had a, a pretty good career and played for a couple different teams, but uh, he, he did some good things. So we'll talk to Andrew coming up at three 30, but we want to hear from you Raider nation. We've had a few different topics that we threw out there. Uh, we had the guy from Kentucky. We uh, played that call that he, he sent to my, my locked on Raiders podcast voicemail line. And uh, I had it on the show today and I just thought it was a really good call because he made some really good points. Like I wasn't, you know, playing the call to try to dog him out or anything. I just thought he was making some really good points. I don't agree a hundred percent, which is okay. We don't always have to agree. He doesn't think that Darren Waller is going to get anything done to his contract. He has two years left on his deal. He doesn't think this new regime is going to do anything to address it. And at some point, he thinks that Darren Waller is going to say, okay, if you're not going to take care of my contract, just trade me. I don't believe that, but that's that's fine if you do. So we're asking your thoughts on that. And then we're also asking, who do you think are going to be offensive and defensive MVPs for the silver and black? I said Alex Leatherwood. I said those he has to be for that offensive line to be where it needs to be. And I think Denzel Perriman is going to be needed in a major way defensively. So those are the two that I pick. We've had a, a couple pick. What do we have? Trayvon Merrick and we had – who was who else was it? Trayvon Merrick and I had it over here. Did you say Waller? That was yes, person. yes, it was. Thank you. Waller and Trayvon Merrick, that was a text that we got as well. But we want to hear from you. Again, 702-365-9200. Sam and Ash text sign is 69187, keyword r and Let's go out to one of our favorite listeners, Raider X. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? What up, Q? Chilling, man. Hey, so uh, my, my two dudes are going to be Crosby, because I think Crosby's going to go off now they got Chandler. You guys got somebody can stop the run. So he's going to go off and be defensive. And also, I think Jacob's going to have a uh, going to mm. have just a, a heck of a season. I, I, I really don't – I'm going to transition into that whole uh, Waller discussion, but I don't think the line is as bad as we all make it seem right now because let's go back into that Waller situation, brother. <clears throat> so what is the comparable or what is, what is going to be the trade-off? So you got a top five tr- tight end. You trade him off, are you going to get a top five position at somewhere else? And if you are, the price tag is going to be out of this world. Are you going to get a top five lineman? Are you going to get a top top five 
a, a, on the D side or the O side or a cornerback? Come on now. And then on top of that, you're already paying him, you know, change. Yeah, you give him an increase. Like, I agree with what you're saying. Make the dude happy. Obviously, he'll give you a, you know, a, a hometown deal. And you make those, you give him two, you know, extend that contract, put a little, put a little sweetener on it. And I think the dude's going to be happy because he is going to ball. He is going to eat and eat and eat all day long. He's going to be a Carol's. <laughs> just grubbing it up, man. Just grubbing it up, man. Um, you know, like, like I said, the comparison, you know, you trade him off. Right. You're not going to get nobody of his value. You're going to get, and right now, I mean, unless you're going to get a, a rock star at another position, you're not giving him away because he is legit. You're, right now, the Raiders are looking for depth or somebody that's a little bit better than a depth. But you're not going to get there. There's nobody out there unless you're really going to shake some trees. So, you know, and I see the reasoning from that dude from Kentucky. I do see it, but I don't think that the Raiders are going to go down that road. I think they're going to try to make him happy and they're going to keep him. You know, yeah, they're not going to go there and pay him overboard, but they are going to show him that he is respected and he is wanted. I'm out, brother. Hey, great call, my man. Great call. Good stuff. Definitely appreciate you. And that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at. I just think that they take care of him to the point of making him happy. Guaranteed money is what makes people happy. Because right now he has no guaranteed money, and his base salary is really low. I mean, 6 and $7 million is what he's owed the next two years. That's nothing. That's pennies on the dollars for a, a guy of his caliber. And you're right. I mean, if you trade him, unless you're going out there and trading for a, a stud offensive lineman, which I don't see any team, by the way, giving up a stud offensive lineman, unless they feel like they have three or four of them in the back, you know, waiting to, to get out there. You know, I, I, don't, I, don't, I just don't see it. I don't see what the trade-off would be. You know, most likely you're getting a pick in return. What's the pick going to do for you right now? As Ari just made the worst look ever on his face, like, what's that going to do for you now? Again, you're in win-now mode. Picks don't do anything for you. They don't do anything. So I'm with you. But, again, I, I understand, especially with this new regime, and until there's like a year or maybe even two under the belt of the new regime, it's hard to say what their tendencies are. It's easy to go and say, well, this is what happened in New England. But at New England, there was a guy with the hoodie on that made the final call. It don't matter who had to, what to say. There was a dude that made the final call and everything. Sometimes he made the right call. A lot of times he didn't. We talk about the Patriots and all their success. They ain't been the most successful team when it comes to like drafting. They ain't been the most successful team when it comes to all the free agents that they brought in. I mean, there's a lot of guys. Let's make no mistake about it. There's a lot of guys that you could probably look at and say, yeah, that probably wasn't the best idea. But what I always have said about the Patriots is they always get the benefit of the doubt. They can literally go get a, a, a D2 safety or D3 safety in round like three or two or whatever, to get, and that'll be the first draft pick that they select in the draft, and they'll get praise for it. And prior to this regime that's here now, if the Raiders had done that, they'd say, what are they doing? Their first pick was a D3 safety? What are you doing? You know, I mean, it's just because they have won so much, everyone says we got to give them the benefit of the doubt, which, I mean, hey, get as many rings as they've had. It's kind of hard not to. But they've made some decisions that you kind of scratch your head and say, yeah, but really? Like, for example, this year, I'm a big Tyquan Thornton fan. I like Tyquan Thornton a lot. Wide receiver out of Baylor. He's the guy that was a speedster at the, at the combine. I don't think he's a second-round pick. I don't think he was good enough to be a second-round wide receiver. New England did. He might turn out to be a stud. I think that. He's going to have to put on a lot of weight or else he's going to get crushed in the NFL. But I like him. Doesn't mean I don't like the guy. I just thought he was more of a, I don't know, fourth or fifth round pick. I'm not a scout. 
So what do I know? I just know what I've seen from the guy for the past few years. And then he blew up and had one big year, his final year at Baylor. Got a tweet from Aaron. Hit us up again. Leatherwood is offensive MVP. I'm going rock your sin on defense. If he could take that next step with this defense and fill that void left by Casey Hayward, I think that would be big for the Raiders. That's a good tweet, and I'll say this. If he could do that, that'd be huge. The thing with Rocky Sin that has been frustrating for me, and, and Ari, feel free to chime in, I, I've seen the potential even when he was at Temple. I've seen the potential. I just haven't seen it unleashed where, oh, there's that guy. You know what I mean? I feel like it's there. It just hasn't been there enough. Does that make sense? Yeah, and that's uh, usually what – that's kind of the buildup usually, right? Like yeah. all of a sudden. So he might he might be on to something, Aaron. I mean, he could be. He could be. But, I mean, again, that's that's part of that competition. I'm really intrigued by Anthony Averett. We had a very good conversation about him yesterday. Uh, we had a, a really good guest talking about him. Kevin Ostriker, host of Lockdown Ravens, he joined the show. I mean, I'm really intrigued on what he could bring to the table. Can he be that guy? That might be the wild card for me. You know, he might be. And it's funny, Aaron, I'm glad you brought this up and brought up Rocky Sin. Do you know if you look at the Raiders and their roster, their current 90-man roster, 40 guys are on one-year deals. 40. 40. <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and throw that out there again. That is a, such a large number. 40 guys on one-year deals. Anthony Averett is one of them. And I actually highlight him because he has a cap hit of $3.9 million. He's actually one of the higher cap hit guys that are on one-year deals. You mentioned Rocky Sin, Aaron. He's another one, 2.5 salary cap hit. But just cornerbacks alone, Trayvon Mullen, Rocky Sin, Anthony Averett, Darius Phillips, Cravon LeBlanc, Chris Jones. Those are just cornerbacks that are on one-year deals. How about the safeties? Jonathan Abram, Jerron Harmon, Dallin Levitt, Roderick Teamer. All those guys in the secondary are on one-year deals. That's a lot. There's a lot of guys that are going to be trying to put everything that they have forward to get it done. Let's go out real quick to the Raider Nation listener line and talk to our guy, Dominic. Dominic, welcome to the show. What's on your mind? All right, um... I'm a 53-year Raider fan, and uh, this is the first time in a good while that I've been super excited about the Raiders. I think last year we averaged like 28 points a game offensively. I think we easily averaged 33 points a game this year. And then uh, hopefully we can keep the uh, other teams down below 25 in the first half of the season and then below 20 in the second half of the season and then become the team nobody wants to see in the playoffs. And run the living crap out of the ball because we're going to be able to throw the ball all over the place. And I think we're finally going to have a good defense that we haven't had in years. I can't believe uh, what's coming. I'm super excited, and I can't wait for the season to start. Nice. Hey, great stuff, Dominic. Appreciate the call, my man. 53-year Raider fan. Pumped up. Fired up. Excited. I like it. I like it a lot. I like it a lot. Aaron just chimed in on Twitter again. I like it, Q. I love it, Q. Sounds like a hungry team talking about 40 guys on one-year deals. Just looking at that, and it's funny, um, I saw a piece put out, and uh, matter of fact, Marcus Mosher put it out, and I'm not really a big Marcus Mosher guy, but 
just noticing the the final year of the contracts, that was a lot. That was a lot of dudes. So that really caught my attention. So I was really glad that he put that piece out. So sometimes you just need someone to point something out to you. So you're right, Aaron. That does sound like a lot of hungry, hungry guys because every one of them is going to be out there playing for their for their next contract. And look, every one of them is not going to make the 53-man roster. Let's make no mistake about it. It's right now in June. It's it's 40 guys. I'll, I'm interested to revisit this once the 53-man roster is set after training camp and see how many more are left on the team. That's going to be the telltale tale right there. How many will be left one-year deals once training camp, once that 53-man roster is set. So uh, thank you so much for that tweet. I definitely appreciate you. 3.30 is the time. Let's go out to the Raider Nation listener line right now and bring in former Raider tight end, Andrew Glover. And Andrew, welcome to the show. I appreciate you. How are you doing these days? Doing good. Doing good. Just hanging out in hot Houston, Texas. But uh, I uh, visit Vegas regularly, uh, do some things in the community, working with formal players and just keeping it going. I'm not mad at that at all. We just found out today that training camp is less than a month away. And back in 91, when you were a, a, a rookie, a late round rookie, what were you thinking? What, you know, heading into training camp, what was it? Was there some anxiety in your body? What were you thinking going into camp? Uh, absolutely. It was uh, the uncertainty of what to expect and uh, the level of competition and, and just seeing if uh, you belong. So just, uh, you know, just that un- unexpected uh, things to happen at camp and things like that, knowing that, you know, it was, it was competitive and, uh, you know, it could happen to you any day. You could be there one day and could be gone the next. Yeah, no doubt about it. That's the reality of it. That's what the NFL is all about, and we see it all the time each and every year when training camp comes about. So you said, you mentioned talking about if you belong. How long did it take for you to realize that, yeah, I do belong here? Uh, when I, first, I scored my touchdown in preseason in Tokyo, Japan. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That wasn't long. That was in August. I think, that, yeah, that was like a couple of days before my birthday in my rookie season, uh, in the preseason. So, uh, once I, you know, uh, got in the end zone, and you know, I thought, hey, man, this thing is not as hard as it looks like, uh, you know, on TV. <laughs> so uh, I felt like, uh, you know, I could continue to do that, and I was going to have a, a long, longer career with the Raiders. Yeah, well, hey, that's that sounds like a heck of a birthday gift right there, getting a, your first touchdown right before your birthday in Tokyo. How was that, playing a preseason game in Tokyo? Uh, it was fabulous. That international experience, it was in the Tokyo Dome. And uh, Steve Berline actually threw me the touchdown in on the goal line situations, and that's what I did best. I, I scored a lot of touchdowns in college, and I integrated into the NFL doing the uh, touchdown thing pretty seamlessly. But uh, that wasn't my only job and responsibility. Blocking, uh, you know, blocking had to, you know, take hold and, and uh, pass blocking as well as uh, run blocking. Yeah, absolutely, and we've seen the tight end position uh, really evolve over the years. Again, we're talking with former Raiders tight end Andrew Glover here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. How much have you seen that tight end position evolve? Because the Raiders have a really good one right now in Darren Waller, but he's come a, a long really way. A really good one. <laughs> he is one, is one of the top tight ends in the business right now, and he should be utilized as such. I mean, he's just a nightmare in terms of, you know, the height, his size, his speed, his agility. His hand-eye coordination is amazing, man, for that size guy. I've seen it evolve over the years, and, you know, it has a lot to do with the, the offensive coordinator and, and uh, you know, how you're breaking down defenses and who you want to isolate. I mean, you know, that's a, a back in uh, 1998, I played on a team that was 15-1 and one in the Minnesota Vikings, Whew. and and we had the highest-scoring offense in the history of the NFL. 
So when you have that kind of talent across the field, somebody have to give up something, and you have to go out and execute. It's there. You have to just be ready to execute on game day. How excited should Raider Nation be with all the talent that the Raiders have right now? We see it. Devontae Adams, Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro, Josh Jacobs, Derek Carr could deliver the ball. How fired up should the fan base be right now? I think they should be really fired up. However, it's not the only it's not the only thing to consider when you're talking about the Raider football team. You got to consider the infrastructure, the people in place who are making decisions, the coaching staff, the support system. They play a major role in the team's uh, success as well. So it's not just the players on the field. A lot of it is the, the support and cast. And if we could uh, minimize the distractions, if we can execute on Sundays. Uh, you know, if uh, we could stay healthy, if we could minimize or eliminate turnovers, we have a great opportunity to be, you know, ahead of the class. Well, Josh B. Daniels, he's walking up and down that sidelines now as the head coach. He's also a play caller, has been a really good play caller in the year in the league for a very long time. What are your thoughts on how he, he t- comes in and takes over this Raiders franchise? Well, he's a very reputable coach. You know, he, he's had a lot of great success. He's probably been in every – you know, scenario you can imagine, uh, you know, coming from New England and, and uh, you know, working with uh, Belichick over there. So, uh, you know, he, he's definitely has the experience now is getting his, you know, coaching style and get his point across to the players and going out and executing on game day, uh, you know, practicing hard and staying focused. Well, a lot of the, the problems that the Raiders has had in the past is off the field issues, and distractions and those things you just can't have that and you know i reflect back to the year we were 15 and one and i lost the opportunity to go to the super bowl with another team the minnesota vikings but uh you know our focus uh you know was razor sharp during that time and you know our offense was ready to go out and play and it it was just a matter of how much we're going to beat you by whether we were playing you at home or whether we were playing you at the road on the road when you get that kind of confidence it's hard to break a team's stride, and I think the Raiders are, are poised to accomplish great things in the near future. Andrew Glover is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920. One of the big Achilles heels for the Raiders has been the red zone, and you're a guy that scored touchdowns. You were a professional touchdown scorer. You knew how to get it done. What do the Raiders need to do? What does Josh McDaniels need to do to have way more success in the red zone, less field goals and more touchdowns? Well, I, I think, uh, you know, the element of surprise always works well down when you get around that goal line and uh, executing plays, executing plays, everybody being in the position where they're supposed to be, uh, quarterback having superior confidence, and just knowing that the other team cannot stop you. You are the only one who can stop yourself. The talent is there. There are no excuses anymore. It's all we need is production and, like I said, minimize uh, you know mistakes, minimize turnovers, and go out and execute, and good things will happen. You mentioned that you've been out here to Las Vegas. You work with some of the players. You work with the community. What have you thought of Allegiant Stadium? What have you thought about the, uh, the, the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, the Raiders HQ? It's, they're, they're two terrific landmarks out there. Uh, it's, 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 uh, they're one of the top facilities in the National Football League. Raiders have always had the top facilities anyway, so there are no excuses. We've got everything we need to prepare So all we have to do is go out and give it our best effort every day, work hard, get our focus on, and then go out and make the the fans proud, the fan base proud by executing and taking it to the other team. I think just just playing aggressive. I think, uh, you know, sometimes we get in a, uh, you know, get stale 
and 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 you know just start doing the same things that we did last week or the week before. This is a game. This game right here, you have the element of surprise is always big, and I think that you know I think Josh McDaniels is going to bring some of that to the table because Bill Belichick, you never knew what he was going to do going on fourth down. Uh, uh, third, you know, uh, fourth and long, uh, you know, taking some chances. And, and that's what football is all about, the element of surprise and, and keeping people off balance. Speaking of surprise, how surprised were you that the Raiders were able to land Devontae Adams? Uh, I, it, it was a little surprising because the market was so great for him. Mm-hmm. I'm glad the Raiders have him and that, uh, you know, Carr could rely on him. However, what, what the thing is, is what's going to be the secondary piece or the, or the third piece that's going to be in play when Devont when they take Devontae away because if I was the other team I would absolutely and positively not let Devontae mm-hmm. Adams beat me. Right. So uh, they're going to have that that secondary piece Hunter Winfro, uh, Waller, the tight end, and and backup uh, role players also play you know a big uh, role in the team's success as well. Yeah, no doubt about that. Again, we're talking with Andrew Glover here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. How about the AFC West? It's been a massive shakeup. Of course, Russell Wilson's in Denver. Tyreek Hill is no longer in Kansas City. He's in Miami and the Chargers, they loaded up as well. When you look at the division, what are your thoughts? You got to respect it. You got to respect it and you got to be ready every game. There's no pushover games. So, you know, any given Sunday, you can be beat. So, uh, you know, your focus has to be tight and you have to be ready to go out and play. If you're not ready to go out and play, it could happen to you today. No matter what it looked like on paper, you still have to play the game. When you were drafted, you were in L.A. Did you ever think that there'd be a football team, a professional football team in Las Vegas? Did not. Did not <laughs> ever think that. Uh, specifically because the, the league shunned against it for years and years behind that betting and gambling deal. Mm-hmm. That was, you know, the, the thing that they really wanted to stay away from. So I think they put together, uh, you know, a, a project where, uh, you know, they could, you know, stay away from that and, and try to stay focused. Then uh, we could have great success out there. But I'm, I'm grateful for the fans. I'm, I'm grateful for, you know, the owner and the vision that he has to move the team there. And now it's just it's up to the guys to go out and, and make the fan base proud, make Las Vegas proud. And, uh, you know, let everybody uh, see what hard work can really get you at the end of the day. No doubt about it, Andrew. Before we let you go, anytime I drive out of the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, I see the sign. It says, once a Raider, always a Raider. What does that mean to Andrew Glover? Uh, that means all rights and privileges that's due me because I, I sweat, I, I bled, and I had tears playing with that organization. And I laid it on the line in Los Angeles and in Oakland. And, uh, you know, that fraternity is a very tight fraternity. We're one of the best fraternities in the National Football League. Mark Davis does a great job in bringing us together every year and paying homage and respect to uh, the organization and the things that we've achieved in the past. You can't know where you want to go in the future if you don't know about your past. So I'm very thankful for all the things that he does, and I'm always trying to help improve the the Raider image and and uh, make you know make the brand and and the owner proud. Great words of wisdom right there. Great words of wisdom. We definitely appreciate you. When are you coming out here to Vegas next? Uh probably I'll come out for the Raider reunion. I'll probably be out in July. I got a good friend of mine that's going to be playing in the summer league with the New York Nets. So nice. Knicks. So I'm going to be coming out for that and then I'll come out for the Raider reunion. So hopefully I get a chance to stop by and see you guys. Yeah, come on by. We got a spot right here in the studio for you. Say what's up. We'll, we'll appreciate you and be glad to see you. Anytime, man. You guys take care, man. Enjoy the rest of the day and 
Let's go Raiders this season. Just win, baby. There it is. Just win, baby. You can't say it any better than Andrew Glover just did. Just win, baby. Uh, really, really proud former Raider right there. And, uh, man, it's some good words of wisdom right there. You can't. You can't expect to go anywhere if you don't know about your past. You know, you can't expect to go anywhere large in the future if you don't realize your past. Good stuff right there from Andrew Glover. We definitely appreciate his time this afternoon on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. 341 is the time. When we come back, we want to hear from you. Hit us up, 702-365-9200. Salmon has text line. You know that's wide open like some old school TV antenna, 69187, keyword R&R. Got a lot of subjects we've been talking about. We want to hear from you. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. We believe and we understand our responsibility in the in the NFL in today's society. We understand that. We do hold ourselves accountable. We hold ourselves to a high standard. We believe that we've addressed this issue responsibly, uh, fairly. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Here's your boy, Q. Commissioner Goodell sweating it out on the stands. Congressional hearings that went on yesterday. Boy, he earned his money. However much he's making a year, he earned every penny of it, taking the bullets for Daniel Snyder while he was in France, sitting on a yacht, sipping on whatever he sips on, and had work issues going on, why he couldn't be there. Pretty incredible, pretty unbelievable. But Roger Goodell, he, he, he works for the owners, remember that. So when he says that he is not in position to move Daniel Snyder, and it's so funny, man. Daniel Snyder is like Teflon Don. I don't know what he has done or what he has on who, but at some point, man, this dude, he is, he's like the guy. You know what I mean? He's not even the guy that sits next to the guy. He's like the guy because for some reason he can do no wrong, even though everyone with a pair of eyes and those that don't could see he has done nothing but wrong. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty incredible what that dude's gotten away with. I don't know what it's going to take. That's one of the questions that I think everyone's asking themselves. I don't ever root for people to lose their jobs, lose their ownership or anything and, and be in a, in a bad position. But when you're a bad dude, bad things should happen to you. You know what I mean? There should be consequences and some repercussions for bad people. And I'm sorry, I don't know him from Adam. He could walk by me in the middle of the street, and I probably wouldn't even recognize him. Daniel Snyder, in my opinion, is a bad, bad dude. 347 is the time. Coming up at 4 o'clock, we'll be talking to Coach Scott Spinelli, former college basketball coach, host of The Breakdown on the Believe Podcast Network. Going to talk all things NBA draft, as that's actually going to get underway at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on our sister station ESPN Las Vegas. I believe the first pick will be announced about 530 so it'll give you just enough time when we get off the air at 5 to go ahead and transition on over. Or you can stick around and listen to the Raider Hour. <laughs> but besides that, you know, upon further review is going to come up at 5 o'clock as well. So you might want to check that out. Of course, uh, my guy Eddie Pascal does a fantastic job with that. So that's on here as well. We're going to have that coming up after 5. But if you are an NBA nut you want to, you know, check out the draft, well, it is on our sister station. You could definitely check that out. Right now, I want to hear from you, though, at 702-365-9200. Salmon has text line 69187, keyword r Want to know about the offensive and defensive MVPs. Who do you think need to be? I mean, not necessarily, you know, who's going to be, but who, in your opinion, needs to be. I picked Alex Leatherwood and Denzel Perryman. I think if those two players have big-time seasons for the Raiders, good things are going to happen. That's just my opinion. We had someone else hit us up and say Darren Waller and Trayvon Merrick. I'm really pulling for Trayvon Merrick. I really am. I think with that young dynamic between Merrick and Nate Hobbs, and if one more guy can just emerge, you know what I mean? If one more dude, if Rocky Sin could step up, if Anthony Averett could step up, hell, if Trayvon Mullen could step up, 
one more dude, you could have a really nice young secondary for a long time. You really could. I'm really pulling for Trayvon Merrick to have a big season. He, he did very well as a rookie last year. I think he'll tell you that there was a couple interceptions he wishes he had back or interception opportunities he wishes he had back. But I, I like what I see from the young man from TCU. So we've been asking that question. Also, thoughts on Darren Waller. Just what do you think the Raiders ultimately do with his contract situation? Do they give him a little bit of an extension, a little bit of guaranteed money, or do they say, hey, man, you got two years left on your deal. You ain't going nowhere. You can't do nothing unless we decide. Because they could. They could say, we don't need to address your contract at all. You got two years. You know? I mean, that, that's, a, that's a real deal scenario. Sometimes you're not in control. And I know that he has agents. I know that they can cause a fuss if they wanted to. I don't think that they are. I think they're sitting down negotiating with the team right now. I do think that he's going to get some money, some guaranteed money before the, the training camp gets started on the 20th, or at least the veterans report on the 20th. But that's just my gut feeling. So we're asking that question from you as well. 702-365-9200. Got a text here from Sir Whiskey Ray. I shake my head in disgust. Uh Yes, I shake my head in disgust. We here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness, committed the ultimate sports sin. We? Yes, we! (laughs) Yes, we! (laughs) Oh, so now you don't want to be part of the crew. I was just part of You don't want to be part of the crew. When it's good, see how you are? Typical. Is it Monday yet? No. Yeah, see, see how it is? See, when things are going great, it's like, we did some good things this afternoon, Q. When if something goes wrong, it's like, we? You and us. Uh, it Sir, was you and Sir Whiskey Ray. <laughs> I was just pointing it out and adding fire to the flame. Yeah, That's I what know. what a good producer I, does. That, you're right. You're absolutely right. As Damon rides a horse across the hallway here. Yeah, it was a mini horse. <laughs> <laughs> see? Exactly. Piling on. Team effort. Sir Whiskey Ray hit us up on the Salmon Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R. Said Q, it's a wrap. A's blow it, giving up two runs in the top of the ninth. Unbelievable. 2-1 defeat. Frankie Montez pitches eight shutout innings, and the offense can't do anything again. Sending good vibes to you, Q. I'm taking the blame for today's A's (laughs) loss. I'll do my part by buying the first round of the first bar I go to when I get to Vegas tonight. Whoever, whoever I'm around, <laughs> they'll leave my presence feeling nice after a shot of whiskey. Vegas, here comes Sir Whiskey Ray. About to get my game on. Cheers, Sir Whiskey Ray. At least he's taking responsibility. And don't go to the first bar you see, because the first bar you're going to see is going to be at the airport. For real. Don't go to don't that one. Don't get whiskey there either. Don't go to that one. Have you done that before? No, I'm just thinking that makes oh. that's not what I'll tell you this. this. When we went on vacation, me and the wife, we went to Hawaii. No joke. Our flight was at 7 o'clock in the morning. Ooh. It was early, right? I mean, and we don't live very far from the airport, so we literally got up at like 5, and we headed over to the airport. It didn't take any time to get there. We were good to go. Not going to lie to you, brother. It was probably about 6.15, and we had our first drink. Sure. <laughs> I would be mad if you didn't. You're right? We are like, you know what? We're going on vacation. Yeah. We ain't driving anytime soon. Let's go on and have one. She actually had her first Bloody Mary ever. Wow. At the airport while we were waiting for the, the plane to take off to go to Hawaii. That was the first Bloody Mary. And then we ended up going from Vegas to Sacramento and then Sacramento to Hawaii. So when we got off the plane in SAC, we, uh, we, we sat at the bar again. And she was like, let me get a Bloody Mary. That's and I was like, now. yeah, I was like, you really like these things. And so she got two. And so we get to Hawaii, right? And that's a pretty long flight. But we hadn't really ate anything because we had just... Just been drinking, right? Just had a couple drinks. Bloody Mary. So, right, right. But, I mean, it's, it had been a long time. So, in my opinion, everything had worn off. We're good to go. 
I get in the car. We're driving to our, our spot, our Airbnb and everything. And I was like, oh, man, look at the water. That looks great. She's laying in the car. And she's like, I just want some food. I'm just so hungry. I was like, what's wrong with you? Like, I didn't have any lunch. I didn't have anything to eat today. All I did is have those Bloody Marys. It's like, we were at two different bars and you didn't eat anything? So you had an olive and an onion. Right. right? And a piece of bacon. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> But that's what vacation is all about. I agree. That is like, you exactly. Can't, you can never do that any other day. Like try to right. drink in the day with an empty stomach is like definitely that's how that's going to end up. Yes, absolutely. Vacation, that's what it's made for. That is exactly what it's made for. Uh, got a text right here from Vegas Pete. He said, let's keep it in perspective. Waller is the fifth highest paid Raider. Does he deserve a raise? Yes. But so does Rocky Sin and the 40 others. So it'll happen. But on Ziggler's time, Waller is probably making double of his girlfriend talking about Kelsey yeah, Plum and. Hey, man, that's that's the reality of it. Title IX has helped out women's sports in a major way, but the WNBA players, they, I mean, they don't, they don't, I mean, there's a reason why I don't, you know, like to bring up, bring up political stuff, but there's a reason why Brittany Griner was overseas. There's a reason why Brittany Griner was playing in Russia because she makes more money there than she makes here. Now, <laughs> everything else was on her. Still shouldn't be there 100 and something days over something minimal, even though it was major to them. I get it. Before someone calls me yelling at me, I, I get it. But, yeah, there's a reason why she's over there, and many others have to go overseas to play ball because they don't make money here. It's just unfortunate. I'm just thinking, what's like the – do we have, like, a counterpart? If Kelsey Plum was a male NBA player, like, who are we comparing her to? I realize this is tricky. No, that's a good question. But And whoever this is, like, we all know whatever their contract – it could be someone – I don't know what you think. She's a starting – you know, she's coming – I mean, she's a starting point guard. She's damn good. She's damn good. Make no mistake about it. She's one – I mean, she's an all-star for a reason. You get where I'm going yeah, with this. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, the, yeah. The weakest all-star in the NBA. Right. And however you want to stack them up to how Darren Waller would be in the NBA. Would probably right. up there, the upper echelon Can you players. imagine how much money Darren Waller would make in the NBA? Since their, their contracts That's are just about guaranteed. Go. Yeah. You That's know fair. what I mean? Like, I guess I'm just comparing the two in the respective sports. Like, right. They wouldn't really be that far off from one another. They would actually be... I think close if she was, let's just say, an NBA player, so to speak. Right, or I got getting, paid, getting paid like like the NBA players. Her equivalent in NBA yeah, would be. It wouldn't even be a question. I'm trying to think who her equivalent, like an equivalent, would be. It's tough. I it's mean, tough obviously, you're comparing two the, different. Well, there's different you know, parameters. There's yeah. different amounts of games and all these different things. But I would think that. So I mean, if off. I'm a prisoner of the moment, I might say she's got a little Jordan Poole to her. Okay, excuse me. I don't know how much Jordan Poole's making, but I know he's up for a contract. <laughs> I know he's up for a contract. You know what I mean? Like, I know that he's going to get paid pretty well. So I'll just, you know. He signed a, I don't know if this is 100% true or if it's on the way, but he signed a $10 million contract for four years. So She ain't making $10 million. No. <laughs> she's, <laughs> but she's a damn good player. She's a damn good player. And look, Mark Davis, I got to give him a lot of credit. He takes care of his team. He's taking care of his coach. He's done a really good job where, you know, everyone's not on board with that. And I'm hoping that the WNBA continues to grow. It looks like it is. It's getting a lot of attention. I think Las Vegas is doing a lot to to play a role in that. The major markets, you know, they're doing they're, – they're, there's eyeballs on the game now, whereas a few years ago it might not have been that way. There's always a ton of fans here in Vegas. There's always a ton of fans in L.A. I was watching New York and uh, and Connecticut last night. There was a ton of fans there. Now, I'm not saying every team. I'm not saying the Atlanta Dream is is just, you know, busting out all kind of massive numbers or the Indiana Fever. Or, you know, I'm not saying that. But there's teams that are getting a lot of attention. And I do like the, 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 the trajectory that they're on. Will they get there? Probably not because they're not going to create the revenue. I mean, the reason why these NBA players make that kind of money is because there's that money to be made, right? 
The, the, the revenue is not being created. I mean, the, the one thing, and then we'll take a quick break. The one thing that Kim Mulkey, who was on our show just last week, used to say to me all the time is that we're hoisting trophies up in the Farrell Center. We're putting national championships in the, in the Farrell Center, and people are saying we're a non-revenue-creating sport. But yet we're putting up trophies, which is incredible. That, that has to change. When a team, a program could go out there and win a national championship, be the best of the best, and be a sport that actually costs the, the school money instead of make the school money, that's a problem. That's where things need to change. 3.57 is the time. When we come back, we'll talk some hoops. Coach Scott Spinelli will join the show. Kick off hour number three of Unnecessary Roughness. This is Radio Nation Radio 920.